Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined on the special interview couch by Mr. Ray McClellan. Welcome, Ray. How Good are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm absolutely perfect. Thank you for asking. Excellent to see you, Ray. Now, Ray, just to give a bit of sort of a backstory here, we first met probably about two and a half, three years ago right, when yeah. I was running a JV day at Progressive. And I remember we actually met in the street outside. If I remember rightly, my computer cable was dragging along the pavement <laughs> as I was walking up to Progressive Towers, and you yeah. kindly came and rescued me. And then I realised that you were sitting in my JV day. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how to raise money and how to find JV partners. And I was talking about the places where we may find JV partners. And you just sat there very quietly until that point when you suddenly announced to everybody in a very casual manner, <laughs> I know a thousand people, I think it was, who would like to be <laughs> JV partners with you. Yeah. And I know 200 millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the room just went quiet and we just stared at you. And I thought, wow. And of course, since then, you've become very much involved with the progressive community. Mm. RAF, which we'll talk about later, not the Air Force, but something completely different, which will be of benefit to the listeners. But Ray, in terms of money then, tell us, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? Okay, well, I suppose, I mean, to go back and to segue into your story, Peter, the reason I was at the JV Day was not there to learn about joint venturing necessarily. Mm. I was actually there to find out if the joint venture training that people were getting was mm. any good. Mm. Because one of the main reasons I joined Progressive is to find a source of qualified leads mm. for all those people that you mentioned, for the mm. millionaires, for the investors, for the high net worths and so on. Mm. Because what I do is I'm, I look after, I suppose, the property side of things for Angel's Den. And Angel's Den is a network of, at the moment now, 19,800 and rising. How many, sorry? 19,800. High net worth individuals. High net worth mainly. individuals and sophisticated investors. Now, wow. that's the names on the database, but as yeah. you and I know, when it comes to things, there's usually 80-20, so 20% of them are probably quite, you know, they're constantly looking, checking and getting involved. And a lot of the names are there need to be encouraged a bit more. So I was looking for qualified leads. I'd heard about Progressive. I came along to some of the events and I put my name down for some of the training because I wanted to find out before I aligned myself with Progressive and started sending people from Progressive to the high net worths, if the training was any good. Well, that's quite scary, isn't it? That was one of my very first trainings of Progressive. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't know that. That would have been even more pressure. Yeah. It must have gone OK because you're still here. I'm guessing. Well, no, absolutely no. I mean, the training you did was, was perfect. I mean, you know, there was a clear path. There was nothing in there that was onerous. I was looking out to see if you did address, there is a thing, FCA 13.3, mm. which is that people who are high net worth individuals, sophisticated investors have qualified themselves as such. And what I wanted to find out was where progressive or is the training in progressive encouraging people to get involved in investments that might not be good for them and might, mm. in fact might mm. even break the law. Mm. So I was delighted when you mentioned that. Mm. So 
I wasn't there as any kind of mole or anything like that, mm. but I was there to see if this was the real deal. Mm. And when you mentioned FCA 13.3 and you started going through and saying you've got to be very careful and, and all the steps to follow, mm. that was one of the trigger moments when I thought, right, these guys are doing it right. They know what mm. they're doing. This is worth further investigation. Mm. So I dare say, had you not mentioned that in that training, I may have kind of decided at that point, well, actually, this is not for me. Mm. And of course, obviously, I'm glad I didn't because, mm. you know, we've done a lot in the last couple of years. Mm. So, where did it lead from there then? Where it led from there? Well, actually, ironically on the day, there was a couple of other people in that room, one of whom I'd kind of met once before in London, mm. who owns a company that has high net worth individuals. So he, he was an accountant who was also looking for JV partners. And yeah. him and I have since spoken to each other a number of occasions and done a couple of deals. And David, his name was, and I still meet him and still speak with him. And I'll be seeing him this month in London. So, uh, yeah, there's a okay. couple of things have moved on. And also there was a chap there and his son. He was, uh, he's not on a stage and what was he? He was a mortgage broker and his son was there as well. And we've also done a few things together. Okay. So, so we've kept in touch. Okay. Yeah. But outside of that group, obviously, you've done great things with Progressive since as well. That was the start of quite a journey, I guess, for you. Yeah. Literally, because you've ultimately moved from Scotland down to... Stanford. I've moved down here now. You yeah. have moved down yeah. here to be closer. So <laughs> so it obviously led to bigger things. So you were there representing Angels then at Correct. the time, yep. which has now sort of morphed. There's the, the sort of the sister organisation, Property Angels Den, is that yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. 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 So tell us about that then, Ray. Okay, well, um, I mean, Property Angels Den grew out because within Angels Den, what Angels Den does is it provides finance for businesses. Hmm. Now, not necessarily startups, but existing businesses or businesses that are looking to scale and grow. And the reason Angels Den does so well is because they provide the money, but they also provide individuals who can help the business. So okay. if you have ever watched a particular program on BBC on a Sunday night, which is a caricature of what we do, hmm. It's a bit like that, but without all the pantomime, if you like. Mm. So the angels tend to invest in businesses, but then they keep an eye on those businesses. So mm. an angel's den typical investor might invest anything from 50,000 to a million pounds as an individual mm. or collectively more as a group. Mm. But they like to bring their contacts, they like to bring their advice and they like to help. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you're well, going to give somebody a large amount of money, you want to make sure exactly. they're spending it properly. Exactly. And one of the reasons why crowdfunding... Now, crowdfunding is, is a separate thing. We do crowdfunding, but it's our crowd of high net worths. Mm. One of the things other crowdfunding platforms are coming in for a bit of stick is mm. because if you give a startup a hundred grand or 500 grand or a million pounds even, it's an untested valuation, it's an untested concept. If you get a thousand people putting money in, they get all the money. Don't be surprised if a year later there's no money left because mm. no one's keeping an eye on it. And mm. in crowdfunding, if somebody puts in £10 or £100, they're not that bothered. Mm. But our crowd tend to put in 50000 or 100000 and mm. they want to watch that. Mm. So I had, and again, this is about three years ago, I had a property transaction that I was doing personally. So I was working with Angels Den, matching angel investors with businesses mm. and doing reasonably well. Mm. And as in, my brief was Scotland. And Scotland has 10% of the population, but at that time, 23% of the deals that mm. Angels Den were doing were coming from Scotland. Mm. So we were doing we were doing okay. And I approached Bill Morrow, who's the, one of the co-founders of Angels Den, and said to him, look, I have a property transaction. Is it worth me raising the money through Angels Den? And he said, no, they're not interested in property. So I left it at that. That was fine. I had a partner that was going to do a property deal with me. And then literally a few weeks before that deal was complete, 
he had to pull out because he was part of a chain. Hmm. And in England, you have chains. In Scotland, we don't have them. For all of the people listening, the Scottish conveyancing laws are far superior to the English ones. <laughs> There's no gazumping, no hmm. chains, etc. Hmm. But that's hmm. another story, probably hmm. another podcast. Hmm. So this transaction was proceeding. I was given, I think, about three or four weeks' notice that he wasn't being able to put his money in. And it was a substantial chunk. I mean, it was 500000 plus. So I had that short length of time to try and raise the money. Mm-hmm. So I went back to Bill and said, look, here's the conundrum that I have. Surely there must be some. So he said, well, why don't you speak to the chap who runs the London Angel Club? He'll circulate your proposal on a one-page summary and see if there's any takers. So that was fine. So I gave it to him, waited. A week went past. I'd heard nothing. And I thought, well, Bill's right. Then I called up the club manager and said, what's happening? And he said, oh, I forgot to send it out. I'm really sorry. So he said, I'll send it out on Monday. And this was the weekend. And just to timeline it, it was before the World Cup, which was 2014. And England were playing Honduras in a football match on that night. That has significance because it was a nil-nil draw. It was regarded as the most boring football game ever. (laughs) I encouraged the manager to send this out at 5 or 6 p.m. on a Saturday, thinking I wouldn't hear anything until the Monday. But during the halftime of that game, I started getting phone calls Mm. saying, tell me about this proposal, tell me about this proposal. Anyway, between the Saturday, the Sunday, and the Monday, I had the money by the Wednesday. Wow. So it clearly demonstrated there was an appetite for property. So I was content to leave it at that, but Bill had the bright idea of forming Property Angels Den. Right. Pad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, he said, why don't we do Property Angels Den? So by September, we had up and running Property Angels Den, and we had a room full of investors who were looking for proposals. And my job was to get people to pitch. Now, naively then, all I did was met someone who had a proposal. I scanned it. They had no training in presenting, and we put them in a room in front of people. And it went from almost the sublime to the ridiculous, because one of the presentations would be quite good, another one would be really bad. And Bill said, look, we need to get a grip of this. And that's when I started to, okay, well, I need to get a grip of this and and start teaching people how to pitch in the same way as we teach the university spin-outs and startups, Mm. how to pitch. Mm. So we needed to get more formal. Mm. And once those initial leads had dried up, as it were, that's when I started looking around and saying, well, I wonder if there's anything out there, and discovered Progressive. Right, okay. So Property Angels Den was up and running. Yeah. And by the time that we met at that JV day, you had a thousand or more high net worth individuals looking to invest in property, now up to 19,800. Yeah, well, to be be clear, there's 19,800 that are in the network. They're not all wanting to invest in property, but quite a few of them are. Yeah. There's quite a lot of them are. Okay. So anybody listening to this is going to be thinking, obviously, how do I get my hands on the money? Now, the irony of property is if you talk to any property investor, particularly beginning property investors, they'll usually say that the two main problems are either finding the deal or finding the money. Yeah. And depending upon who you're talking to and what they're doing at that time, it's either going to be finding the deal is going to be the hardest thing or finding the money is the hardest thing. And yeah. actually, we'd probably say here at Progressive, neither are terribly difficult if you know what you're doing. Yeah. But obviously, an organisation like Property Angels Den could potentially make finding the money so much more easy. But you're not standing on street corners giving money out to would-be property investors. So mm-hmm. how does it actually work? Ray? Okay, well, how it works is... There is a process, like everything. There's mm-hmm. a system and a process that works. Yeah. There are people who know how to present, and more importantly, the order in which to present, and there are people who don't. And what we did was we analysed 
we, we tested a few things out. We analysed some of the pitches that were very successful. And we, we said, well, what's the common denominator between the successful pitches and the unsuccessful pitches? And then started to, I dare say, train people in what works versus what doesn't work. As well as coming to Progressive, I actually put my name down to join Rob and Mark VIP. Okay. So to sort of backpedal a bit, I wanted to join Rob and Mark VIP. I put my name down for it. In the meantime, I did Gold VIP for six months because there was a waiting list. There still is. Mm. And at the end of the term waiting list, I hadn't been joined into Rob and Mark. And when I spoke to then the person that was running it, they said, oh, sorry, your name wasn't on the list. But what we'll do is we'll give you half an hour with Rob Moore. Okay, just to stop you there, Ray, just to be clear, so anybody who's listening who doesn't know, the VIP is the Progressive 12-month mentoring programme. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I put my name down for that. And I wanted to be, you know, mentored by Rob and Mark, which is a 12-month program with them exclusively, because mm. the common denominator was they seemed to be training people who were doing exceptional things. Yes. So that, that I naturally wanted that. Didn't get in, but I got half an hour with Rob. And in that half hour, he discovered about Property Angels Den. Yes. And he then had the idea that I should come and present on stage in front of one of the multiple streams events. There's a multiple streams of property event. And there was another event called Business Lifestyle Summit. And he said, look, there's two or 300 people coming along. Why don't you come to that and we'll do a Q&A session and test the audience and, and see what kind of questions people ask. I didn't know it at the time, but he was thinking in the back of his mind that there is a, a program that Progressive have called Be Your Own Bank. Yes. And he wanted to add an additional slot to that, if you like, on raising angel finance. So he wanted to see if there was an appetite for it and then we could do a recording afterwards, perhaps. So what turned out to be a 20-minute sit on the stage, let me ask you a few questions, let me open it to the audience, became over an hour. And at the end of it, Rob said to me, there's clearly an appetite for this. I think you should get more involved in producing the CD or producing something. And that morphed into creating Raising Angel Finance, which was a two-day course. Hmm. So that's what I've been doing effectively since. And that two-day course is designed to show people the difference between what works versus what doesn't work. Now, we can never guarantee anybody that they're going to get funded. You just can't because there's so many anomalies. But what we can do is, like anything in life, is to increase your odds, make the odds of you getting funded much higher than they would otherwise be if you didn't take the time to get the training. And in the same way that the joint venture training that you were doing educates people how to do joint ventures, we have a similar thing. We educate people in how to raise angel finance. Right. RAF, which is what which I is, alluded to earlier. Which is RAF. Raising yep. angel finance. That's okay. It. Yep. So, the very basic question, Ray, in terms of the type of investor that Property Angels Den are looking for, who are you looking for? What kind of loans do you actually give out? What, what size of loan do you give out? How much experience would your investor need? Okay. We follow, guess surprisingly, the CREST model. Okay. stands for Credibility, Return, Exit, Security and Trust. Which is and something we teach on the JV which Day. Is what, exactly what you teach on the JV Day, which yeah. is where I saw it. Yes. So if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. 
we are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. was your concept is not mine but it is one that works incredibly well so C stands for credibility so what we look at is and this is both sides so we have investors over here now the investors when they want to become an investor have to be a high net worth individual or sophisticated investor according to the FCA yeah and there are rules and regulations and there are certifications they have to do so that side is taken care of by our compliance department I don't have any part in that but when the name appears on our list we can make the assumption that they've gone through the process. On the other side, which is the developers, let's call them, looking for money, and, that, and a developer can be somebody looking to do an HMO, a refurbishment, and buy to lets, commercial conversions, or whatever they happen to be from the multiple streams. When they come to us, we use the Crest model on, on them as well. So credibility, do they know what they're doing? Do the figures stack up? And is the whole process credible? So that's the individuals and the project itself. Mm. And I have to say that Progressive has made that side of things phenomenally easy for me. Because if somebody comes to me and says they've done a commercial conversion course with Progressive, I know the level of training that they've mm. had. Mm. If they also tell me that they're joint venturing with someone who's done a number of commercial conversions, mm. but they have no experience, mm. that for me still ticks the box. Mm. So they've got the credibility. Mm. Then we look at the return they're offering. Is it equity? Is it 50-50? Is it 60-40 or whatever? Or is it a, a return on the money? Then we look at the exit. Have they considered, are they going to sell it? Are they going to turn it into service accommodation? Are they going to refinance it? Wh whatever the exit happens to be. Then the security. Are they offering a first charge, a second charge, a personal guarantee, a floating charge of the company? Or what security are they offering? And then the final one is T, is trust. So with trust, what happens is we would be introducing people to angels at drinks, parties, events. We hold a Property Angels Den event in London. People can come along to that, meet the angels. And that's where they also do their live presentations. So with the live presentations, the angels sit in a room and watch a 10-minute presentation by the developers covering the Crest model. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, they get a chance to have a glass of wine and have a bit of a chat. Mm. And, and angel investors are like, I dare say it, like women's intuition. You know, some women tend to know if a man is, mm -hmm. is genuine or not, and they have this intuition. Mm. Uh, angels have this intuition over mm. investors and mm. over developers, whether mm. they're, they should, I dare say, take it to the next stage. Mm. And that's the trust part. Now, the trust part can also be built up by the number of times they contact each other. Mm. So in the JV day, you say you know that they should really be meeting someone three to seven times. Because of the three lunch rule. The three that? lunch rule, absolutely. Yes. Well, it's exactly the same for this. Mm. You know, the more touch points they have, the more mm. likely they are to, to get funded. Mm. So that's that's the process. Okay, and is there a minimum loan amount? Like, if you went to the bank, they might have a minimum loan amount or maximum loan amount, or is it just as the deal comes? Okay. Well, 
In terms of minimum loans, I suppose the minimum loan we've ever done, I've ever been a part to, is £5,000. Wow, okay. I mean, you know, because somebody had, a, typical within property, they'd had a revaluation and the valuation hadn't come through, they'd put all their money in, they had all the finance arranged, but they now had a shortfall. Mm. And that, that sort of thing, you know, is neither here nor there. Mm. But it, it was 5000 which saved a deal. Mm. Um, and that was with someone in, in Progressive, obviously. Oh, right. okay. Um, uh, we do lots of deals around about the three, four hundred thousand mark, mm. seven hundred and fifty. We've got a couple of deals in the pipeline at the moment that are around the six, seven million mark. Mm. You know the commercial conversion ones, mm. and there is one deal that I am working on in Scotland, which is over a hundred million. Mm. So there's lots there. Now I should caveat that with when somebody comes to me to look for finance, I don't immediately think right, this is going to the angel network. Because angel investors might want 10%, 12%, 1% a month or something like that, or a 50-50 mm. JV. Mm. There may be lenders out there who are prepared to provide some of the money at 5 or 6%. Mm. And then all you need an angel for is to top up, mm. to do the mezzanine funding. Mm. So I tend to look at it as not what's best for me or the angels, but what's best for the developer. And if I think the developer can get the funding without us, and I know it's kind of shooting myself in the foot, really. Mm. But I would, I would say, I would say that to them. You know, you don't need us. You mm. can actually get this from your bank, mm. for example. Mm. We've had people that come to us and say, the banks say no, but there are some banks that will say yes. Mm. So we tend to look at it. So the amount, to be honest, is kind of it doesn't really matter. Right. The process is the same. Okay. And it's interesting that you mentioned such a wide range of potential deals. You mentioned buy to lets, which is an interesting idea. HMOs, commercial conversions, basically the whole gamut, anything to do with property. If the figures stack and if it looks right and there's the right fit, you'll consider it. Absolutely. And also, but, but having gone through a lot of the training within Progressive and the JV training, mm. it gives me more scope to make recommendations. Mm. So, for example, I had a London-based investor. Now, this guy was nothing to do with Angel's Den. He was someone who approached me. He didn't want to join Angel's Den, but he said, look, I've got a bit of money and I'd like to get involved in you know, property investment, but I don't know what to do. And I put him in touch with somebody in Scotland to do a one for you, a one for me JV deal. Hmm. So the idea being he would put up the money, he gets the title, but they would run the property and split the profit 50-50, and then they would refinance it, take the money out, and then they'd do the next one. But this time it would go into the person in Scotland's name. Hmm. And they've now done seven together. Hmm. So it was about just matching people up. Mm. and about learning what the best deals are and putting people together. Mm. We've also done, for example, commercial conversions. We had someone who came to us from London, had been to their bank, had been to an institutional lender, and they were turned down on the basis that they didn't have enough experience. And this is a, a difficulty for some people because they want to make that step up. Mm. They've gone from buy to lets, they've had HMOs, which she did. She also had serviced accommodation. She now wants to do a commercial conversion. It was small. Mm. It was about, I say small, it was a million pounds. I think it was about eight flats. Mm. But the lender felt that she, it was a step too far for her. Mm. And what I was able to do was to bring someone who'd done the commercial conversion course and had a track record mm. to joint venture with her. Mm. So they then became a non-exec. And if you think back, the credibility part, that was ticked. So she had the money from somewhere else. She didn't actually... Heed me, if you like, mm. but that little bit of knowledge enabled me to put them together so that they could get the deal done. Right. So not just about the money, but almost like a property dating agency, which well, is yeah, an incredibly yeah, yeah. valuable service. In a sense. 
And we don't take any fee for that because mm. that's one of the great things about mm. this whole community is a lot of mutual back scratching going mm. on and people helping each other mm. and uh, a lot of valuable contacts being made. That, you know, like anything else, it will pay further down the line. Yeah, I absolutely. fully expect that they will do that deal, they'll go on to do another deal and they'll come back. Yeah, what goes around comes around. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever the expression yeah. is, yeah. both good and bad. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah fantastic. So, of course, the one big advantage, though, with Property Angels Den, as you mentioned earlier, though, is even if the bank could lend you the money, the quality of the angel who's going to be putting the money into the investment will be such that having them on board to look over your shoulder and give you a helping hand, if required, is worth so much, isn't it? It's not just about the money. Yeah. The tendency now, though, is, and I've noticed this, when I run a Raising Angel Finance course over two days, I have 50 people in the room and I'm showing them how it all pulls together. But I always get people coming up to me and saying, I have a bit of money. You know, I've got 600,000 or a million pounds in my pension fund. Hmm. And I was looking for someone like you because what they want is for me to pre-qualify all the deals mm. and send to them. Because if they were to stand up and say, I have a million pounds, mm. they'd be inundated mm. with, and, and it would take them forever to try and filter through. If they could. If they could. So the ability of me to be able to say, well, actually, we can do it this way, is also incredibly helpful. Hmm. But in terms of quality of an investor, they've now got somebody who's perhaps done a commercial conversion training course or has done other progressive training courses who wants to lend money. Mm. So they've got the skill and knowledge as well as mm. the money mm. from within progressive. Mm. So an angel is someone who gets involved. An investor is really someone who just puts the money in and steps mm. back. Mm. Quite a lot of the angels just want to be investors. Mm. They just want to say, look, there's some of the money mm. and they might not want to get involved in the mm. property apart from taking a look at it. Mm. So they'll be quite open and say they've not got much to add because the property market is changing all the time. Mm. They don't really know about buy-to-lets and about the HMOs, rules and regulations, They don't unless they're keeping up to date on that. They certainly don't know about service accommodation. They certainly don't know about commercial conversions and permitted development. You know, they may have done property development 20 years ago, mm. but and they're not so much up to date. Where they do have the skills, knowledge and experience is to be able to sort of take a helicopter view of the whole thing and spot when they think problems are going to arise. Mm. So that can be useful. But the general day-to-day -day sort of detail and nitty-gritty, people from within Progressive are far better qualified mm. than the angels are. Right, interesting. Now, just going back to the process of borrowing the money, you mentioned yeah. doing a presentation. Yeah. Does every potential borrower have to do a presentation or other ways of borrowing the money? Perhaps a quicker, um, quicker format. I would say it's probably only about 10% of people need to present. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to present at all. I mean, when we have a Property Angels Den event or we have an event, we like to have three proposals that are there and can do 10 minutes. And we have a room with anything from, you know, an average, I think the average is about 27 investors in the room. Mm -hmm. So they would do a 10-minute presentation in the room. But the process to get there they don't just turn up and say, here, I want to do this presentation. Can I you know, book in on the next event? They have to be qualified. So there's an online application process, which mm -hmm. literally takes a few minutes. And on the Raising Angel Finance website, there's an application form there. They fill that in and then we give them, very quickly come back to them and say, we think this is, this is okay. We would then take that one page proposal and approach some of the angels who've got cash and say, is this something you would support? If they say yes, then 
we would go to the next stage, which is the formal proposal, if you like. Mm. Now, the formal proposal is 17 questions that have to be answered. Mm-hmm. And the best way for, that we've found of doing it is to put it into a PowerPoint template presentation where you drag and drop images in and you answer the questions. Mm. And so we then distill that down into a one-page summary. The one-page summary goes to the investors mm-hmm. and then they decide if they want further information. Mm-hmm. If you send an investor reams of information, they just won't look at it. Mm. They want to see one page, mm. what is it? Mm. Where is it? How much are you looking for? You know, When do you want the money back? Mm. I'm interested, they can click on the button and then they can get all the information afterwards. Mm. Now, if there's a proposal that's interesting, you know, we have lots of interesting proposals, and the person presents quite well, then I might say to them, look, there is a slot at Property Angels Den. If you want to come along, you can present. Mm. And not all of them do that. Mm. And quite often, I'll choose five businesses because mm-hmm. chances are pretty good that two of them will get funded before the event starts. Mm. So again, that's another schoolboy error I made in the beginning. Mm. I'd have three booked and then suddenly two are funded and I've got one left. Mm. I, you know, I don't want to be running around last minute, mm. sort of panicking. Equally, I've also had five businesses picked and I've had five present. Mm. But they don't all have to present, mm. no. Okay, interesting. Now, if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be thinking to myself, how much can I get? Is it possible, for example, to get 100% finance? Aha, the holy grail. Um, The short answer is yes. And again... Short answers are often the best ones, aren't they? But it depends. (laughs) Okay. You know, it depends. We have had people who've had 100% funding, but it depends. It depends on the deal and it depends. Now, to give you an example of something that would get 100% funding, let's take a developer who's developing, let's say, I don't know, they're refurbishing a pub into HMOs and they might be um, refurbishing some offices or something into maybe 10 flats or 20 flats or something like that. All their money's tied up. They're in the process of doing a deal, but they get offered something that they just don't want to turn down. Mm. What the good developers tend to do is say, I'll take it and then worry about getting the money later. Mm. So they may come to us and say, we need 100% funding for this because all our money's tied up in two other projects. Mm. Now, what we can do there is clearly they're going to have money coming out of project one and two at some stage, Mm. which will go into project three. Mm. So we can usually get project three funded 100% through a combination of lenders and investors and JV partners. And then when project one crystallizes and they release the funds from that, they can put it into project three and reduce down the lending. Mm. So it, you know, you, you're, no developer is going to stand still. They're mm. always going to be looking for the next deal and mm. they have to have this pipeline. Yes. So we like to try and get um, that help with that. Yeah, well that makes a lot of sense. So, so that's, you, where, that's where you would get 100% funding. If now, they've got other, collateral, if they've got other, other yeah. assets for collateral. For if example. they have. Yeah, now yeah. we do have some people who've had buy-to-lets funded at 100% because they've maybe got you know, other property that's unencumbered. In other mm. words, there's no borrowing mm. on it. Now, what we can do in those instances, we have contacts with some lenders and we can do what's called a hunting license. This gets over the conundrum of what comes first, the deal or the money. Right. Because quite a lot of people will will say, well, should I find a deal and then go for the money or should I get the money first and then go find a deal? If I had to fall on one side of that fence, I would say get the money first. Yes. Because there's tons of deals. Yes. There's deals all over the place. You can do... There are people who have deals but can't do it, who will want to joint venture with you, who will deal package. But if you've got the money, there are tons of deals. Mm. So a hunting license is, and there are a few companies organizing this, but a hunting license might say, Peter, 
you have a million pounds worth of unencumbered property. You don't want to take a, a charge against it or you don't want to get a mortgage against it or you maybe already have a mortgage against it but you've got maybe 50% loan to value or 40 loan to value or something like that. What the hunting license will do is take a look at your portfolio and say, okay, we reckon you've got a million pounds there. We are prepared to advance you with 24 hours notice, 50% of that amount. Wow. So we'll set aside 500,000 pounds for you so you can now go to an auction and buy something. Clear on the understanding that that money will be drawn down in 24 hours. Wow. Now, there is a charge for that. If you decide you don't want to draw the money down in 24 hours, but would like 30 days, they'll do the same, and then there's, there's a, a, a much reduced charge. So the, the hunting license enables you to go out there and, and attend an auction. Mm. But the other great thing about having the money and having a hunting license is the hunting license effectively is proof of funds. It's a bit of paper that you can take with you when you go to either an auction mm -hmm. or to meet a vendor. Yes. And that has a very powerful effect because if you go to see someone and say, well, I'd like to buy this property, if they turn around to you and say, well, it's 600,000. If you say, well, I've got 500, but I can complete in 30 days guaranteed, mm. will you reduce the price? Mm. Quite often, they'll say, let me think about it. They're never mm. going to say yes right away. Yeah, but it's effectively putting in the position of a cash buyer. You're putting in the position of a cash buyer, exactly. Mm. So you can negotiate the discount mm. and that can be very powerful. Right. Because the big challenge vendors have is, and they're all asking now for proof of funds. Show me the money, show me mm. the money, show me the money. Mm. Now, quite a lot of the developers can't do that because mm. they'll say, well, if you give me the deal, I'll go get the money. Mm. Give me an option. Mm. And the vendors don't want to give an option because they say, well, it's first come, first served. Mm. So that's why I would caution or, or lean to the side of get the money first because yes. you, you can generate more profit out of a deal. Yeah. And you've kind of just answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just okay. to emphasise the point. How quickly can you get the money? Well, we, I would say to people for a first time, fresh application, standalone, never done anything like this before, you really need six to eight weeks mm. minimum. Mm. Mm. You need, I mean, the longer you have, the better. Mm. We have had uh, deals which have been loans, a short term loan of maybe £50,000, something like that which would take place in a matter of days. Yes. You know, that can be done quite quickly. Yes. But generally, the more time, the better. Now, I do get people coming to me on a Monday and saying, I need a million pounds by Friday. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. Unless they have a track record, they've done four or five deals with a similar investor, then I can pick up a phone and say to somebody, do you remember so-and-so? Do you remember he did deal number one, two, three, four, five? Well, he's now got deal six, but needs the money quite quick. Mm. In that case, you're covering the credibility and you're covering the trust element. Yes. Now all they're looking at is the return, the exit and the security, Yes. which is quicker. Yes. But even if you get an angel that sees something on a Monday, decides to give you the money on the Tuesday, you've still got to go through the protracted legal process. And some lawyers are better than others. Mm. And some lawyers can take an inordinate amount of time. And others can be pretty proactive and quite quick. Mm. So you're still at the mercy of the legal process. Mm. And... In August and in December, mm. that can sometimes just, yeah. you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to conclude any deal in August or December. Somebody comes to me and says, we've got a deal and we've got to close it by the 31st of December. I always say, move it to January. Yes. Move it to the end of January because it's just wasting everyone's time. Yeah. Your heart can be in the right place, but it will never get done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love Christmas, but I dread it as well. There we go. That maybe that's a discussion yeah. for another time. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So... 
Progressive is a very entrepreneurial community and the tendency for entrepreneurs is that we kind of get ourselves involved in things we shouldn't have from time to time and some of us have been through unfortunate situations like bankruptcy. Does that matter? How's that viewed? From the limited examples we've CCJs had. as well, well counting your judgments, yeah, all yeah, that kind absolutely, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bankruptcy first. We've had people that have come to, they'll come to me and they'll say right up front, in 2007, 2008, I lost everything. I was declared bankrupt. Am I wasting my time applying mm. for funding? Mm. The short answer is no. Mm. You're not, you can get funding because mm. what you would invariably have is a limited company and you may be a director of the limited company and the limited company is borrowing the money but the person that's giving you the money is getting a first charge. So they're covered. They're covered anyway. Mm. It's far better if someone has been declared bankrupt to put their hands up and say, look, here's what happened, but I've learned from it. Mm. I've learned from it and it'll never happen again. Mm. Because you, you can't, you know, life doesn't end at bankruptcy. Mm. I mean, the Americans look on it as a badge of honor. Mm, you absolutely. know, you hear yeah. people, Donald Trump's been bankrupt three times, yes. apparently. Yes. Um, there are people that, you know, I mean, that is the nature of the beast. Mm. There is no entrepreneur out there that has never suffered in mm. terms of having sheriff officers turn up at the door or here they're called something else. What bailiffs. Called? Bailiffs, yeah. yeah. Bailiffs turn up at their door, waving writs under their face. Just about everyone who's been involved in business has been to court a few times. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's what comes with being in the trenches. Mm. And that's what puts a lot of people off. Mm. You know, there are people out there, they have their nine to five job and they don't want this hassle. They don't want to have that worry. And then there are entrepreneurial people who take it on the chin. Mm. So when you get, and I'm delighted to see that over the years the bankruptcy laws have changed because it used to be that if you were declared bankrupt, it took you three years to get back on the horse, as it were. Mm. Well, now if the bankruptcy is through no fault of your own, for an economic downturn, for example, mm. or in 2008, the banks famously withdrew all their lending. Mm. So you'd have a business that'd be trading absolutely fine, paying mm. on time, mm. and then the bank stepped in and just said, no, we're calling in our loan mm. because of the bank's problem. Mm. And some people were pulled down for that reason. And the bankruptcy laws mean now that they can be back on that horse within a year mm. rather than three years. Right. So it does, it does recognize that there are some people that go bankrupt because they're just downright dishonest. Yes. And there are other people that go bankrupt through circumstance. Yes. Now, the, the best thing for anyone to do if they have been declared bankrupt or they have CCJs is to tell us right away. It mm. does not disbar them. Mm. Now, in terms of CCJs, we did have someone who came to us, and this is quite hot off the press in the last, certainly the last couple of months, who had put a proposal to us. We'd got them, now I deal with, this is gonna sound a bit terrible, but I deal with loans of a million pounds and upwards. Mm. I have a small team of people who deal with things below a million pounds. This was for 250 grand mm. and our team was dealing with it. So I had no intimate knowledge of the deal. But what happened was Rob had contacted me and Rob said, we've got someone who's complained about you that they didn't get a loan. And I thought, oh, that's strange. I contacted my guy and said, no, that's not true. We did. Yes, we absolutely got them the money. We got them the money within six days. The mm. offer is still there. Mm. But this person has not drawn down the money because we found a CCJ against them and they didn't tell us about it. Mm. But what we were prepared to do, because the CCJ was for five grand or something, mm. what we were prepared to do is to say, okay, we'll still give you the money, but the very first act you must do is clear off the CCJ mm. with 5,000 pounds mm. and then use the balance for the property. Mm. So had we known about that in advance, we could have fixed it. But mm. they decided or chose not to say anything. I don't know why, because it's going to come out. Mm. You know? mm. So uh, so CCG's bankruptcy, yep, tell us about it. 
and we can deal with it. Yeah, there's hope for everybody. There's hope for everyone. Yeah, yeah, good. Excellent. So let's talk about RAF, Raising Angel Finance, yeah. because you run a course by the same name. Now, as you say, one of the big benefits of doing the trainings is you can actually get people ready for when they present to angels. Yep. Specifically your angels, but for any angel, presumably. Yep. So, so tell me about that process and, and how that all fits with the trainings that you're running at the moment. And okay. Well, again, this was Rob. He said, um, look, there's, a, there's enough knowledge here to, to create a course. Mm. Go away. Tell me what you think people will need to know. And, and we'll work out whether it needs to be one, two or three days. Mm. So they, he taught me a process of how you put a course together because if you just take someone out of the blue and say, write a book or do a course, mm. you know, you're a bit, ah, yeah. uh, where do I start? Yes. But the, like everything, there's a process to show you how to do that. And he showed me the process of how to do it and I did that and I came back and worked out the timings and we thought, well, two days. You know, three, no, we couldn't stretch three. It's too much for one day, but there's certainly enough for two days. So we constructed a course called Raising Angel Finance, which would mm. show people behind the curtain, if you like, what mm. the angels look like, where mm. they are, but you know where you can go. Uh, we also include a bit of JV in there as well. Um, and the the first course, well, it's they've all been sold out. Mm. Put it that way. Mm. So you know every course has been sold out. Mm. The next one is at the end of October, but there's usually one every couple of months. But it depends purely on supply and demand. Mm. If nobody wants to learn about it, then there'll be no course. But mm. at the moment, they're, you know, they're constantly full up. So the two-day course is held in Peterborough. It's over a weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And I usually bring along an angel investor or some of the lenders. And, and we've had Q&A sessions with the investors and with the lenders, and that's gone down really well. And then we have dinner at night. And the first one we did, the angel was there and he went for dinner. We did that a bit sneakily because we did it as a sort of secret millionaire. He, the angel, didn't just want to come along for the um, Q&A. He said, well, can I sit through the whole course? Be interesting. So I said, well, your slot is not until the Sunday afternoon. And he said, well, that doesn't matter. I'll be anonymous. So he sat in the audience right. beside yeah. people watching the whole thing. And then I did. Uh, so, you know, coming up shortly in the next 10 minutes, we're going to be speaking to an angel investor. And I, of course, I looked out the window and went, and I see his car downstairs. So yeah. he's here. You know, yeah. He was already in the room. But yeah. then I did the, and, but ladies and gentlemen, he's been sat amongst you for the last two days. Mm. And his name is, and I put my hand like that, and he mm. stood up. And of course, the people either side of them were like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> Here's my card. Right. And what, and what was his feedback, having been involved, seeing it from the other side? Yeah, no, very mm. good. Very yeah. positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came up and he did the Q&A session. Mm. And um, yeah, it was very positive. And then loads of people coming up to me, go, why didn't you tell me he was here? You know, that's because you'd be tapping him for money. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Despite me telling people, don't go up and ask for the money, everybody yeah. rushed him to yes. sort of ask for the money. Yeah. yeah. Can you fund this? And they started waving deals in front of him. So uh, that was that was interesting. So the, uh, yeah, the two-day course, uh, I mean, the feedback is usually good. Everyone who does courses here is, gets scores. You mm -hmm. know, they, you ask mm -hmm. people to fill in mm -hmm. the scores. They give their comments, good, bad. They give all their feedback. And we learn from that and adjust the next course. So it's getting better and better all the time. Right. For anybody who's listening to this, who perhaps hasn't got time to attend the two-day course in the foreseeable future, yep. can they still come to you? Can they still make an application? Yes, they can. I mean, they, they could download a recording of the course. I mean, none yeah. of this is free, obviously, but yeah. they, but there are yeah. there are ways where they can download a recording of the course. They can download modules. Yeah. Um, they can listen to you know podcasts like this. I've done other podcasts. There's mm -hmm. the Beer on Bank CD. Mm -hmm. I'm on there as well. So there's there's lots of ways where they can use their uh, 
their net time, their yeah. no extra time where they can listen to it while they're cutting the grass and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of ways. You don't have to go through a Raising Angel Finance course to get funding from us. Right. It does help enormously yeah. because uh, there's not just us out there. If, if you learn the steps, the process, and you increase your odds of getting funding, you can use the same principles on your bank. Mm. You can use the same principles by going to your own lenders. Mm. You don't have to come through us. Mm. You know, it's not it's not exclusive. Mm. But one thing I can say is there's a definite, clear distinction between people who've had some form of training mm. versus those that haven't. And mm. I mean that across the board, whether it's JV, commercial conversions, service accommodation, any of the training courses. Yeah. I can see it. It's really, really clear yeah. in the questions they ask. And it's human nature to want to go with the easiest route, if you like. So if mm. somebody comes to me and they've put in a proper application and they know what they're doing, that is so much easier. It makes mm. our job that much easier mm. because we don't have to then go back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. You know? yeah. So, so I, I must admit, I'm increasingly only dealing with people who've, well, not only dealing, but I'm, the majority of dealing I'm doing is with people who've, who've been through a course and know what they're talking about. Now, I don't ask and say, oh, have you done this course? Mm. If you haven't, go away. Mm. But you can tell from the questions they ask that mm. people are either trained or they're not trained. And people who are trained have a much better chance of getting funded than people who don't. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And there's totally. There's obvious reasons for yeah. that. Yeah. So if I want to borrow some money off you, Ray, how do I get in touch with you? What's how do you get in touch? Way? Well, I mean, the, the first thing is don't call me up. Don't send me an email enclosing 50 attachments of all your plans and all the rest of it because it just we just bounce that back to you. What we have is we have a link. The website's called Raising Angel Finance, raisingangelfinance.co.uk. Okay. There is a button there that says application form. You click on the application form and fill it out. It's as simple as that. That form comes into our office and we look at it. We get back to you straight away and say, we've received your form. Uh, you know, you've missed out this or you've missed out that. Sometimes people miss things out. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Mm. The, the form will not allow you to move on unless you answer. Mm. But just to let you know that one of the, it says you can only apply for funding if you have a limited company mm. and a company number. Mm. Sometimes people don't know what their company number is. You can mm. find it by looking online, but sometimes people will try and put the application through without putting the company number in mm. and get frustrated. Mm. All you need to do is put in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right. We'll find the number. Right. But if there's fundamental information missing from there, then we'll get back to them and, mm. and, and, and ask them for that information. We would then aim to get a decision in principle from either a lender or an investor and say, what do you think of this? It's a commercial conversion. It's in Bristol. It's 15 flats. They know what they're doing. You know, They're looking to borrow this amount of money. If we get a lender that says, yes, we're interested in that, we'll go back to that person then and say, okay, we've got we've got traction, we've got somebody who's prepared to do this. Here now is a template with 17 questions. You have to do your homework mm. and you have to complete this document so that we can take it to the next stage. Mm. So that's that's the process. Right, but it all sounds very straightforward. First thing is go to raisingangelfinance.co.uk. That's it. Fill in the application form. That's it. Yep. And from the what you've described in our discussion, don't limit yourselves. Anybody listening to this is worth a punt, isn't it? Presumably. Absolutely, yeah. of course. Whether yeah. it's a large deal, a small deal, somewhere in between, yep. something new to you, something new to them, give That's it a it. go. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, one of our, our, our mottos, and I put it up on the two days, is you know, life's not fair. You're not going to get every single deal you go for, but you know, there's no point in crying about it because 
you'll tend to find that, I mean, even the most experienced developers go after a deal, they get a decision in principle, they go back to the vendor, they get an option, and, they, and they're going well down the road to getting it, and then something will come along that will blindside them. There'll be Japanese knotweed or mm. a coal mine or, or something mm. will come out in the due diligence and the whole mm. thing might fall apart. Mm. Or the vendor will sell to someone else, mm. just right from under your nose. Mm. Again, something else that we tend not to have in Scotland, but mm. we do have in, in England. Mm. Mm. Um, so we can do all the work, we can get all the funding, get everything, and then at the last minute something can go wrong. Mm. That's just life. Well, that is just life. That is just property. life. But yeah. uh, you know, I think people need to be aware that it's not—it's not a clear. It's like mm. anything. It's not mm. clear cut, absolute mm. runway. Mm. It's just increasing your odds, giving you a better chance. Yeah, absolutely. So you must have seen numerous applications and met numerous investors. What would be your top tip or top tips for anybody who's thinking of making an application, whether it be to you or another angel? What should we be thinking about? Top tips: uh, follow the crest model. You know, follow the crest model. Think about that all the time. Credibility, does it stack up? What's the return you're offering? Is the exit clearly defined? The more exits you have, the better. Mm. Some people have come to me with five exits. That's, mm. that's five routes out of a deal rather than just one. Think of the security that you're offering. Um, and then the trust element will come if you've got everything else pulled together and you know what you're doing. Mm. Um, it's as simple as that. I would also say if you meet investors, you meet lenders, don't be trying to sell them a deal. You know, just get to know them, find out what's important to them, and then keep in touch. And mm. just say, would you mind if I kept in touch and sent some things through to you? And, and they'll always say, no, absolutely not. I'd appreciate your advice on this. Mm. So top tip would be ask for advice and you might get the money. Ask for the money, you'll get advice. Mm. Yeah, That would be top tip. Okay, fantastic. So raisingangelfinance.co.uk, that's where we'll find you. Yep. That's where we can put in the application. Ray, it's been fantastic meeting you today. Thank you. Thank you for that. For anybody who's thinking, how can I raise the money? Ray and Raising Angel Finance could well be the source of the funds that you've been dreaming of. So give it a go. Find the website, put in the application. I've been Peter Jones. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. If you have any ideas or any subjects for a future podcast, please get in touch via the Facebook group. If it looks like a good subject, which could be of merit, which could help everybody, then we'll certainly give it a go. We'll consider doing it. Otherwise, I'll see you at the next podcast. Here's to successful property investing. <laughs>